This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your no-bias source for thriving with diabetes. It's me again, Taylor Danielle. I hope you guys are having a good day. I am feeling kind of moody. That's why I have this this lip going. I know it's like spring, but I tend to, I don't really follow seasonal trends. I'm definitely that person who will wear boots in the summer. I know that there are particular colors for fall and spring, but I tend to wear fall colors year round fall winter colors you're on. Anyways, I know I'm not the only person, but yeah, I so today's episode is it's funny cuz I like the title because it's kind of it's semi like a dirty joke, but that's not your thing. Sorry, not really sorry. It's funny to me, but I think it's something that is going to be kind of interesting for our non-diabetic friends. I know definitely diabetic friends. And I know the men kind of get it because you don't really ask for this to happen, I don't think. And that's talking about high blood sugar numbers in the mornings, which is called Dawn Phenomenon, or as I like to call it, diabetic morning wood. <laughs> I, what can I say? I'm I'm corny. But, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing. And when I got my CGM, I actually started really noticing when it happened, because I would start to have alarms. And there's technically two different types of ways that you can end up with higher numbers in the mornings, but I'll get into that. But I really just want to talk about what it is, why it happens, and how we can kind of get a handle on it, or at least what I've been doing to try and ease my spirits whenever I get up in the morning and I check my numbers, because it's it's a little defeating when you're trying to be in range and you wake up and you have not eaten a thing and your numbers are crazy. So let's get into it. Perfect. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes. And it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. All right, so (sighs) diabetic morning wood. Let's talk about it. <laughs> it's it's such an interesting thing. You you're diagnosed with this, and I I don't feel like I really would have understood this until I got my CGM. Like I knew it was happening, but I really just thought it was something I was doing wrong. I really thought that I was just not doing well. There were some mornings where I did have good numbers, but it was like I had to eat either super early or not at all the night before. And I'm taking my medication at weird times to try to like outbeat my morning numbers. It's it's a whole crazy thing. So let's let's break it down. What is Dawn Phenomenon is what it's called. So it's basically while you're sleeping, your body doesn't need as much energy, right? And so when you're about to wake up, 
it gets ready to burn fuel because it needs energy for you to wake up, right? So it starts to tell your liver to start releasing more glucose, and then that triggers your body to release the insulin because insulin's what you need to use the glucose. But as a diabetic, you usually don't need more glucose in your system at the time because you probably don't have enough insulin in your system, either because you can't make it because you need to manually inject it for like my type one folks, or you're really resistant to it. So it's not that your body doesn't make it. It's just really hard for your cells to accept it and absorb it, right? So that leads to just a bunch of glucose floating around in your system and you're not able to actually absorb anything for your blood sugar levels to stabilize. So that equates to crazy numbers in the mornings. And it typically happens between 3 a.m. and 8 a.m. And at first I was like, mm, maybe it's just like something that I'm doing. And I used to be a middle of the night snacker. And so I'm like, oh, it's clearly because I'm doing that. But since having my CGM, I have realized 100% that it's it's definitely a thing. Now, when I was doing the fingerprint glucose meter, I was definitely having crazy numbers in the mornings. And my dad actually told me, it kind of broke this down for me because my grandmother, who also is diabetic, was having the same thing. And she was really stressing out about her morning numbers. And it's just like your body goes through this whole wake up process. And it's just, it's just what it does. There's no way for your body to know fully like, oh, hey, so we're having trouble with utilizing insulin. So I probably shouldn't start dumping out glucose around this time because I know that you either manually need to give me some insulin or you're having some resistance. So I need to kind of back off. Doesn't know that at all. It just continues to do its normal programmed function and it, it kind of messes with this, right? So my dad was telling me like, because we know that this happens, like don't take your morning numbers to equate to something that you like you're just a terrible person or something like that it's just part of the process and maybe check a little bit later or whatever but then at that point I've eaten so it's like okay well maybe it's to check maybe after my first meal to see I'm trending back down whatever but when I my first my first two weeks with my CGM especially the very first week now mind you I'm in the midst of utilizing two different medications okay so when I got my CGM, I got it in the middle of the week. And so I wanted to make sure from a changing sensor kind of thing, I started it fresh on a Sunday or a Monday. I ended up going with the Sunday because that's when I also take my Ozempic shot that I was also recently prescribed that week. So my endocrinologist took me off my combaglize extended release and my glipizide extended release, but it was literally the middle of the week. And so I decided to, I don't know, I just like even even starts, stuff like that. So I finished out using the comoglyze and glipizide that week. And as I was checking my blood sugar numbers, my numbers were actually pretty good in the morning. So I start the CGM, actually, let's see, I got my CGM before I got my new medication with my endocrinologist. So I didn't start my CGM until that Sunday. And then during that week of my first week of having my CGM, that's when I saw my endocrinologist and he scrapped my current medication regimen and put me on uh, Sinjardi and Ozampic. So I used my current, my old medication regimen while going through my first week with my CGM until that Sunday so I could start my shot and the Sinjardi because I don't like switching stuff in the middle of the week. So 
I'm wearing my CGM and still taking Comiglize and Glipizide. And I'm having these weird drops around like three, between three and, or two and 3 a.m. in the morning. And the alarm on, at least for the freestyle, you can adjust the high glucose number basically. So when it, when do you want it to beep when your blood sugar is too high? I think it defaults from 70 to 180. I've now changed it to 70 to 160 because I was doing really well in range. So I just slowly was ticking it down. I think the the standard for someone who's non-diabetic is like 70 to 140. So I'm slowly bringing it down so I can keep myself in range. And the alarms really do help. They really do. So the low blood sugar though, I don't, I don't feel my lows until I'm in like low 60, high 50s. When I'm in the the mid 60s to you know 70s, I don't really feel it, and I don't I don't have that the symptoms. When I get into like the, the 50 range, like high 50s, that's when I start to feel the symptoms. But I usually don't let myself get that far. But this particular CGM will not let me adjust it to like 65. I tried to do that, but it flipped it back to 70. So I was hitting under 70 around 2 to 3 a.m. and my alarm was going off. And so I would scan myself and it averaged between, I got between 62 and 69 and I would sit, see how I felt. Do I really need to grab a snack or knock back some juice? I had these little applesauce packs too that I use. And so I was fine. And actually what I would do is I would sit for like five minutes and I would scan myself again. And because I was awake and alert, (laughs) because my alarm was going off, my numbers started to tick back up. So I, I think I got like 65 one night. So I, I scan it. I see that it's 65. And then I sit up and I wait. I, I'm trying to check how I feel if I really am super low and I need to, to get something. And then I scan it again and it's already back to 70. And then I'm like, okay. So then I sit a little bit longer. And I scan it again. And it's giving me the even sign. It doesn't give me that it's necessarily like rising, like usually what I see after I eat. But it just slowly creeps up. So I lay back down, go back to sleep. And then I wake up like around 7.38 and I scan it again. And it's like at like 100 something. I'm just like, wait a minute. I haven't had anything in my system. It's insane. It's insane. I will say having a CGM, I treat myself like a product at the grocery store where I'm like scanning myself every five seconds. I'll like find random things and well, not random things, but like when it comes to food, I kind of want to like buy something just to see like what it does. I'm like, I don't know. The CGMs are, it's a whole nother ball game when you can kind of scan in a moment and know. But yeah, I was I was rising. And so I realized though that because I kept having the crazy low drops that I was actually experiencing the smogi effect. I hope I'm saying that right. S O M O G Y I. Now I don't know why the Y and I are together because it makes the same sense. Whatever. Smogi effect. And that is when you have a really when you have a drop. And then because you dropped super low, then you have to either take something or it's because you dropped your body's like, uh, hurry up. And then it spikes you back up. So even so, it's still kind of like this crazy, crazy thing that just the motion of rising sends your numbers up. And that sounds very familiar to other people that I know where just because they're waking up, you have 
morning wood. I mean, we all know it happens. It's it's thing. It it happens. Because I remember asking. I, I would just be, y'all know, real talk here, right? I would ask my friends, like, yo, what is it with just, hey, like, do something with that. Put that away, right? And I, I used to ask my guy friends, like, why, why is it like, it's just, it's just waking up, it's just rising, the blood is flowing. And so is that. And I'm just like, all right, well, cool, I guess. And it's probably why a lot of women enjoy morning sex because it's already there. So you might as well utilize it, right? I don't know. So it's just one of those things that I just thought was kind of funny and yet interesting that happens. I wish that I was kind of saying like, hey, I'm getting ready to lay down. So my numbers are going to start to go down. But it, it, it unfortunately doesn't. It's seems to be pertaining mostly in the morning. Now, what I will say is that I've I've noticed some really interesting numbers even throughout the day where I'm like I'm literally just sitting and I'll scan and it's a little higher than normal, you know, and I might have scanned it an hour ago and it was fine. So, I think that's also where at least for us getting some form of movement helps to knock that down. I actually played around with I ate something it was, it, I was having a food experiment. I can't remember what it was that I ate that normally was like, mm, you might not want to eat that according to diabetic standards, if you will. And it, it made my blood sugar rise. And so I remember an episode of Elementary, the, the modern Sherlock Holmes, if you will, with, oh my God, what's her name? She's in Charlie's Angels. Lucy Liu. There you go. And she, I can't remember, they were working, her and Sherlock were working on a case and they needed to stay up all night. And she started doing these like squats, like really fast squats. And she, obviously she was playing Watson. She was talking about in med school. That's what she used to do to get her, her blood pumping and it would keep her awake. So I'm watching TV and I'm doing, working on something and I'm noticing this rise and it's like, it's going up. So I'm like, huh, okay. So I start doing really fast, just standard standing squats, trying to get my heart rate up. I think I did like twists, like you just, how you stand and just kind of let your arms twist. And then I did a few high knees and I scanned myself again. And sure enough, my blood sugar dropped a couple of points. And so granted, I, y'all, I do not like cardio. I do, I, I do not like cardio. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like when my heart feels like it's about to burst out of my chest and sweat in general just, you know, makes me feel gross, makes my, my hair shrivel for the curly girls out there. It's it's just a lot, okay? I like weights because you don't even realize that your heart rate is going up, but then it does come down whenever you're resting in between. I like the idea of testing my strength, but cardio is not a fun one. I will say though, I am glad, and I don't know if I should really be glad about this, whatever, but I don't have to run to kind of get my heart rate up. I just need to do a brisk walk so I can get on a treadmill, hit three, and that keeps me where I am. And I'm meeting my heart rate quota for the day if I do it for at least 30 minutes or so. But it's true. Getting your heart rate going is something that will help. So that leads me to some things that I've been doing to kind of combat that and some things that I've heard others doing, especially for those that take insulin. So I've heard plenty of people talk about the same for those who have the uh, Samogi effect where you drop really low in the middle of the night and then you're trying to like get yourself back up. And that's having a like protein and protein snack before bed to kind of help stabilize you. A protein and fiber are two things that really protein, fiber and fat, you know, especially when paired with carbs help slow down the release. It helps make sure that your blood sugar remains stable. So 
especially if you're having a carb-heavy dinner, definitely make sure you've got some protein, fat, and fiber uh, in it. So that way you're not sending your numbers skyrocketing simply because you've had nothing but carbs for dinner. Usually I try to actually keep even my complex carbs, even though they're they're definitely good carbs, I try to keep them to a minimum with my dinner. So I try to go veggie heavy, those type of carbs and some form of protein with my dinner. And then like for those of us who take oral medications with their dinner. So when I was on Combaglize, I had to take two tabs of that with my dinner. But sometimes my dinner would be like around anywhere between six and eight but I'm not going to bed until like 10 or 11. So I did an experiment with myself on when I was still using my meter to try to see if I can get those numbers low is I ate my dinner earlier and then I took my medication like right before bed. So like 10, 10-ish. So I might like eat my dinner around six and then take my medication around 10. So that way when it was still doing its slow release, it kept me even through the morning. That worked a little bit. It was kind of hit or miss. I did try eating my dinner later at one point. And then I also tried eating my dinner earlier, but also taking my medication earlier. And it seemed the average that worked was eating my dinner earlier, but taking my medication later seemed to help. I have heard of those who are on insulin still eating their dinner, but they don't actually take their insulin until right before bed. So that way they have enough in their system so that way it doesn't like send the body into overdrive and needing to basically it's you know, when it's dumping, when your liver's dumping the glucose, you have some insulin on standby to help absorb that up a little bit so your numbers can be a little bit more even or not as high. So it's um it's an interesting thing. I really try my best to watch my evening routine with that because it's hard to always think of that in the mornings. Now, especially with having a CGM and you can see throughout the day, I don't worry as much when my numbers are higher in the morning because A, I know what it is. Now that I know what it is, it's just my body. It's like when a car, you need to start it after it's been sitting for a minute. It's just, it starts out the the engine rev goes a little bit higher than that one. I just remember my dad always telling me once it gets to the one or a little bit below, that's when you're ready to pull out when you're warming up your car, right? So it starts out and the engine's revving really high. And then after you sit for a few minutes, it slowly just creeps back down. That's pretty much what your body is doing. It's doing the same thing. And it's not the most exciting thing in the world. And it's definitely a very frustrating thing because when part of your diagnosis is managing numbers, not that we want to, because we have to think about the numbers on a scale and the numbers for A1C and now numbers on our blood sugar in the mornings, all these things. Diabetics deal with a lot of numbers and I hate math, okay? <laughs> but knowing what it is has definitely helped me adjust and I don't freak out as much when it happens because I understand my body is just doing its natural thing. And that helps me to prepare for it. Oh, I almost forgot one other thing that you could do that I haven't tried myself yet, but I've read and communicate with other people that they do is doing vigorous exercise in the evenings. Because again, having a higher heart rate will lower your blood sugar. So being able to get some exercise in before uh, you lay down could also be helpful. I have not tested this myself, so please, at your own will, talk with your doctor. Of course, obviously, this is all general advice, no medical advice here, just thoughts and experiences, right? But I prefer to get my workouts in 
preferably in the mornings. I'm starting to do like midday walks with my dogs to just down the street and back to get me some kind of movement in the middle of the day. I used to do it when I worked in an office where I would either on my lunch break, because I usually would just eat at my desk or on my breaks, I would just walk around the building a couple of times. Sometimes I would just have meetings where we would just go outside and walk around to get out of the office and get our blood flowing. So now that I work from home, I'm trying to do that more as well. But evening workouts are just hard for me. I always have something going on. That's when happy hour is. And then I'll be tired. And you can't just like go work out and then go like meet up with people. I mean, I guess we're not meeting up with people like that. But that was my excuse at the time. I don't know. Maybe I feel like if I had a treadmill in my house, I'd probably be down for an evening walk. My aunt and uncle used to do that all the time when they used to live in Waco. They would actually go uh, on night walks. So when I would spend a summer, I think I spent a, yeah, when I spent a summer with them, we would go on evening walks. Back when being out at night wasn't something to be concerned about. So, and it's me by myself. And even though I've got two dogs, like it's too, it's, it was, it was more lit where they were. It's kind of dark where I am, even with the streetlights. So I think I will not be doing the evening venture. If I were to go to the gym in the evenings, that's also when most people go to the gym because they're all off work and crowds. And I, even before pandemic, I did not like when the gym was crowded. I like when it's empty, which is usually why I try to get there in the mornings because nobody wants to be there that early. I try to be, I try, if I can be there right when they open at 5 a.m., I, I will. I've only done it like three times this year so far. So, <laughs> anyways, well, that's really all that I have for you guys today. I we deal with so much, and it almost feels like there's a layer upon another layer of something. But the more the more you can do stuff to prevent it. So I hope this was helpful in some ways. I always feel like I'm saying that after I talk to you guys because I want to make sure I'm giving you content that makes sense. So with that being said, hey, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon. I keep forgetting that Amazon has podcasts now. Wherever you can leave me some information, insight, whatever, please rate, subscribe, and let me know what you think of the show. Let me know if you have a question and you'd like for me to answer. Hit me up on my DMs and Instagram or feel free to hop over to healinginhindsight.com and shoot me a message. I would definitely love your input on how I can make this more relatable to you because even though I'm sharing what I'm going through, I know many more of you have so many stories to tell. So let me know what you think. If you're watching on IGTV, make sure you hit the heart. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. All the things. What do they do at the end of all these videos? All the pointing around. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. And again, I really appreciate all of your support, encouraging messages, and for my fellow diabetics, peace, love, and good blood sugars. I'm out, y'all.